Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 116. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, filling in for my normal co-host, John White, at BJourneyman. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. This week we're back with the conclusion of our interview with Jeff Eberhard, a sales and solution engineering leader at Oracle. Now if you missed part one, go back and listen to it because it recounts Jeff's journey into management a feeling of being okay with being a little less technical, what makes a good manager, and what is the career ambition across his team, which I found fascinating. Now, this week is something a little bit different. We're going to talk about Jeff's job change that took place during the pandemic, and it all started with a message he received on LinkedIn from someone he didn't know. Interestingly enough, something he thought that he would have no interest in He chose to explore, and it turned out to be something that was extremely interesting. So listen to how that unfolded, and then also pay really close attention to the dynamic between Jeff and his boss and the communication stream that was in place while all of this was happening. So here we go with part two and the conclusion of our interview with Jeff Eberhardt. We talked about career conversations earlier, and I want to dive into to something you talked about at the Dallas-Fort Worth Spice Corps about a month and a half ago. You actually had a very interesting job change during the pandemic. So yeah. I'm really curious, Jeff, about how that started and what your motivations were for making the change, even though at the time you didn't think you needed to. Yeah, so... I said earlier, I, you know, my, my boss at VMware, big fan, um, my, my, my goal, my life dream was to take his job one day when he quit or retired. Um, and I was in a, I was in a very good position to do that midway through last year, but I mentioned, you know, I'd gone and I was running the, the AWS VMware team for a while. My boss Dean had asked, Hey, will you come back and help out with the organization that we're dealing with right now? And uh, in late 2019. And I said, sure, or I guess mid 2019. Um, so I said, sure. I came back, had an amazing team. I had hired most of these folks over the previous 10 years, got to come back in and it was like, Hey, Jeff's back. This is great. And everything was going really smoothly. And I got a, a LinkedIn message from, um, my new boss at Oracle Karan, And it said, Hey Jeff, you know, are you interested in hearing about Oracle and VMware and what we're doing together? And I, I said, no. I'm perfectly happy. Uh, you know, it's it's whatever it was, May, June. Uh, the pandemic is kind of at its peak at the time. Uh, I've got a comfortable job with people that I know, a boss that I love. I appreciate it, but no. And did you know this person? No, no idea. So it was just a cold LinkedIn? It was, a, it was straight a cold LinkedIn reach out. Gotcha. So he must have had LinkedIn, uh, you know, 
recruiter or whatever, because then I get a text message and it's from him. And I guess if you put your phone number into LinkedIn, by the way, sometimes that'll show up. So, uh, and it's like, hey, I know you said no, but I really do think this is interesting. Can you do a 15 minute call with me? I'm like, okay, you know what? Fine. There's no harm. Uh, worst case, if he's doing a VMware partnership, I'll know how we can sell it with them. Like that, that was kind of my thought process, you know, because I was at VMware. And so give him a call. And he, he told me about what Oracle was doing and how the partnership with VMware was going to work and basically offered me the job that I wanted to one day get if my current boss at VMware was ever to retire. It was like, hey, you'll run this whole division. You're going to get to be in charge of building out a bigger team. There's all this cool stuff that you can do. And so, of course, I immediately went to my boss and I said, hey, got this call. Don't think I'm interested, but wanted to talk to you about it. And, you know, I mentioned earlier having a personal relationship with your boss is key. You know, if you're at the point where you can call your boss and have a conversation about looking at another job and you don't immediately get fired, that's probably a good sign, right? So, yeah, I think a lot of people would have some some hesitancies in that one. And, and I don't recommend that unless you know you're in a good spot. But, you know, he, he gave me some advice and basically said, hey, just stick it out here. Like, you know, you never know what's going to happen with me. You're in a good position. You know the team. Um, at the time, I didn't know he was, you know, going to retire six months later. I think he probably knew, but he might have been trying to hint to me, don't leave. But then I went through the interview process. And of course, it was all over Zoom. Uh, you know, it's it's very different. It was kind of nice. I, I could wear a t-shirt. It turned out that almost everyone I interviewed with wore t-shirts. So I did wear a button up, but I was like, I could have worn a t-shirt, which you can normally never do during an interview. And we we went through the process and I just got more and more excited about the opportunity and the team. And, you know, so I got the offer made to me and I, it was a good offer. And so I, I went back to my boss and I'd already kept him informed, like, Hey, here's what's going on. And I told him and he's like, okay, that's pretty good. You know, we'll see what we can do about that. And, you know, from a, from a leadership perspective, I already know, you know, if, if you ever get a job offer from another company, your boss generally has an idea if there's an opportunity to match that or if it's out of the realm. You know, there's your boss will have an idea. And I knew just going to him, I'm like, I don't think this is going to happen uh, from a, a keeping me perspective. And it didn't, uh, although I did have wonderful reach outs from our VP and other VPs within the organization saying, please stay. You know, so from a relationship perspective, it was it was a nice thing. But in the end, this is an opportunity to build a business on my, you know, not on my own. Obviously, I have a whole team supporting me, but build a business and take on something that is well outside of my comfort zone. And I mentioned earlier, you know, if you get to the point where your team is running so smoothly, you can take a nap. It's probably time to either decide, do I want to keep doing this and I'm happy or should I try something new? And I, you know, I won't say I was napping, but I was kind of at that point because the team that I was running I knew it, it was done. They were all so smart. Like they didn't need me. Smartphone have a nap tracking app. Does it? <laughs> no, but my Garmin does. My Garmin <laughs> does. I'll, I'll send you the stats later. Of course. <laughs> That'd be fun to post. Yeah. Well, hang on before you go on, I just want to interrupt and, and back up. So you mentioned that your boss said, Hey, stick it out here when you initially told him, but you yeah. went ahead and continued the conversation with Oracle. Now, any read on how your boss felt that you just kept going with that, even though he encouraged you not to? I I think he understood. Um, he he's he'd worked with me for nearly a decade at that point, and 
um, he, he said to me once, he goes, you know, I, I know th- if Jeff ever gets bored, that's a bad thing for my business because Jeff, me, is going to go do something different. And so he had said that a few times, and I think he could tell that I was getting bored. Uh, you know, might not be the right word, but I, I, again, it, was, it, was a, it wasn't a difficult job anymore, and he doesn't want me to be bored. And so he was, I think he understood. You know, I think if he had been able to say like, hey, look, dude, I'm retiring in six months, just stick it out, you got my job, which of course you can never guarantee anyways, but had he said that directly, he might have stuck it out. But he couldn't say that. And so I think he understood, you know, it was like he, he, from a personal perspective, we have a great relationship. And I think he also wants to see me succeed. And so if I could do it at VMware, I think that would be ideal for him and for everyone. But if I couldn't, he still wanted me to be able to be successful somewhere else. That's great. Do you think that most managers take it well when someone on their team wants to leave and just say, hey, I wish you all the best? I can only say what I do. Um, and for me, absolutely. Anytime I've had any of those four groups, uh, I had one of my academy reps get, get a job offer at Amazon and well, while she was working for me. And you know what? That's awesome. Amazon offered her more money and a job that was a little more suited to what she liked to do. I'm happy for her because my goal is never to trap someone. Like there's, there's no point in trapping them in their role. Um, I've also had frank conversations with some of the high flyers on my team who did the same thing I did with my boss. And they told me, hey, I'm interviewing here and I will give them hopefully good advice and help them try and get that because you know, it comes down to two things. Um, one, if they get that job offer and it is the you know their ideal role and gets them everything that they want, I'm happy for them and now I have a friend at another company. Or they get that a job offer and I know what I could actually do from a pay perspective. And if they get that offer and show me the letter, I can get you know HR to approve it. All the better as well. Like it's not my money. I don't lose anything if I give you a raise. So for me, if you can. If you bring a reasonable raise back to me and I can give you that and keep you, then you just get more money and I have a happy employee and everything's good there as well. So I absolutely support it. Now, I have had some folks on my team that like I couldn't afford to lose, you know, from a from a business perspective, like, okay, you are super important to me. And so if one of those, uh, which I've had as well, comes to me and says, hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm doing well here, but I'm interested in this, that or the other, I might say, hey, you like stick it out for three or four more months and then go do that. And I will write, I'll write you the recommendation and help you get that other job. Um, and so far I've been lucky with that as well and getting to keep them. But I will say I absolutely wholeheartedly support anyone who's ever trying to go get another job. And, you know, if they let me know, I'm going to help them in any way that I can to be successful in that, or ideally, you know, bring me that offer. And if I can get you the raise, I'm going to. So do you think the folks who, you know, accept the counter offer from the company they were about to leave. Do they feel different after that? Sort of like there's a target on their back or maybe they weren't treating me well in the beginning, weren't paying me enough. I'm just curious yeah. how it's gone after that. No, that's that's a good question. So I, I can give two examples um, that I can think of. So, you know, I would say one, if if you have a good relationship with your boss and you're having that conversation and it's open, like I was just talking about, there is not going to be a target. There's not going to be, it's, it's just, it's, it's a business negotiation, honestly, is all it is. There shouldn't be anything personal about that. Sure. Um, 
So in that kind of case, which I've had, um, no. I mean, I will say you probably, the next review cycle will probably get skipped from a race perspective, just because, you know, time that right, you know, don't, don't do it two months before the review cycle, because it's hard to get HR to give you another raise two months later. But the, the other instance that I've had is where it's completely out of left field. And it's, it seems more like a spiteful kind of thing rather than a, a positive, like, hey, I'm trying to increase my career. It's more of like, I'm going to threatening is not the right word, but I'm going to, I'm going to go do this if you don't give me what I want. In that case, you know, again, it would be up to the relationship of, of you, you know, either as the individual contributor and the boss or as the boss to the individual contributor. If it's that, my advice would be go take that other job because you may not have directly a target, so to speak, on you, but it, it could bring bad blood, you know, and, and what I mean by that is not intentionally and not actively but if I, as the boss, have to go to my boss and say, hey, you know, Nick is uh, quitting today. And my boss goes, did you know that was going to happen? And I go, no, that looks bad on me. And, you know, like you said earlier, make the boss look good and I look good. If that looks bad on me, it's harder for me to negotiate up for you and help you. And so while you may get that money, now the rest of the leadership chain knows that you were trying to sneak out. And it's, again, it's a business negotiation, but it's one of those things I'm a big fan of open and honest and let's have that conversation and get you the raise and have that all happen. But if it goes the other way, it's just, it's a harder conversation to have. Those are really good thoughts. I don't think we've ever had anybody share those, but I really appreciate it. And I didn't mean to railroad your story. No, no. But I do want to go back to the story about Oracle. I think in the beginning there, you had some maybe misconceptions about the company itself or some hesitation just in that, right? Yeah. So, uh, okay. So my wife works at Oracle and uh, has for about five years. Um, but Oracle is, is divided into two different areas. Uh, Larry Ellison, the CTO and founder, um, kind of runs one half of the business and then Safra Katz is the CEO and she runs the other half. So Larry owns basically technology, Safra owns sales, marketing, and everything like that. My wife ends up working under Larry's side of the business and I'm under Safra's side of the business. So we're, you know, literally as far away in the, in the triangle of people as you can get from each other. But besides that, I really didn't know anyone at Oracle and, you know, Oracle and VMware traditionally have had a pretty bad relationship at a company level. It's been, you know, Oracle says nothing can run on top of VMware and there's all this technology stuff that you know, whatever it's, it's argument for the purpose of argument. Um, so my only experience with Oracle was my wife who worked at Oracle and was perfectly happy or works at Oracle and is perfectly happy. Um, and then the VMware relationship. And so from a VMware relationship perspective, I was a little concerned because traditionally it's looked like Oracle hates VMware, VMware hates Oracle. And now I'm coming over to be the Oracle VMware person. So that was a little concerning. But the other thing that was concerning for me was I didn't know anyone. And, you know, at VMware, I'd been there for so long, I knew not everyone, but if I needed something answered, I knew who to call and I had connections and I could get help. Um, coming over to run an organization where I don't know anyone is just scary, you know? So I wouldn't say it was a bad vibe or anything like that. It was more of if something starts going sideways, I don't know how to fix it. I don't even know who to call to fix it. But the good thing that happened was I got brought onto this team and I have a, a Sherpa, so to speak, uh, a guy named Sean, 
who took me, you know, took my hand on day one and just said, Hey, I'm going to help make you successful. And he has been a godsend to me because anything I don't know, he knows. And he's brought the people to me and taught me about that. As he was getting me ramped up, my boss uh, at Oracle has done the exact same thing. You know, he's full of advice and it's good advice. Like it's not bad advice. It's really good advice. Uh, he knows everyone. He's got the connections. And so I've got the luckiness in that I have a manager that works for me who knows everyone and how to do everything. And I have a boss that I work for that knows everyone and knows how to do everything. So even though I came in kind of lost and completely alone between the two of them helping me um, from, from above and from below, I've now, you know, I think I'm eight months in, you know, my heart rate on a, on a weekly basis, I think has dropped about 30 beats per minute during the work day. It was going back to the Garmin, you know, my first few months there, my stress level, my watch has a stress level thing. And I was sitting at like 60, 65% stress throughout the work day. Now I sit at about 25, which is like resting. And that's kind of nice to get to the point where I'm definitely not resting. I'm nowhere near napping time yet. But Is that uh, like 10%? Yeah, that's about, that's when you get to four to 10%, but I'm comfortable. And it's because of the support that I've gotten from my team and from my leadership. Um, so it's even since we talked at the Spiceworks thing, my job has gotten significantly better. Yeah. And I don't remember hearing about you having a manager under you in this new role. Is that yeah. something that was new compared to what you had experienced before? No, I'd, I'd previously had managers working for me. Um, so that was not a new thing. Uh, well, it was not a new thing for me in my career at Oracle. Um, Sean got promoted to manager three or four months after I started. And actually I got to promote another manager earlier this week. So now I'm down from 17 direct reports to soon. I will be down to four. So my, my, my life's about uh, my stress level might go to that four or 10 and I'm going to be perfect in about a week or two, but no, so yeah, now I'll have uh, two, two senior managers working for me. Um, leading my, my teams. So I, nice. I get to be a little bit more, honestly, you know, strategy focused rather than day to day. I'm pretty excited about that. And how does the mindset change when you go from managing just individual contributors to, okay, now I am one layer removed from the individual contributor and I manage their manager. I think there's, there's a few things. There's a little bit of fear um, and it's just when it's anything, you know, you go from being in charge of something to someone else is in charge of it. And now you're just basically getting reports on it. Um, you know, so a, a little bit of fear there, but the good thing that I have is Sean, as I said, taught me everything anyway. So it was, it was kind of a de facto. It was like, wow, okay, this is easy. He's already, he's already doing a lot of the stuff. And so I guess the, the answer to that is, you know, one, you have to learn to delegate and rely on others. Um, so there was a great, actually, CIO.com article I read recently of how CIOs need to do a better job of delegating. And I'll send you a link after this. But um, I, I read that and I was like, oh, good, I'm doing most of this already. Not all of it. So that was good. I got to learn something. But, you know, if you delegate, going back to the improving others and trying to, to do that, um, you know, if you give your managers or your individual contributors the opportunity to own a project or a weekly report or whatever else it is that needs to be done, you know, the first one, 
might not be anything like what you were hoping it would look like. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have to rewrite this whole thing or I have to redo this whole project. Or you just go, huh, that's not how I would have done it, but it's different. I don't quite get it. Let's have a conversation and understand, oh, okay, that's different than I would have done it. And now you end up with either something better than you would have done, or you at least get to have that conversation and understand, oh, well, I didn't really set the right guidelines or parameters around this and let's fix that. But honestly, it starts giving you the opportunity to take things off your plate. And like I said, I want to be a bit more strategic. I've been day to day on customer calls and in fires and doing all this stuff. And that's awesome. I really enjoy that. But at the same time, it's hurting me from a, how do we build the relationship with other partners and do this, that, and the, you know, the other things that I need to do in my role. So now having these two folks working for me, like they can do a lot of the day to day that I was doing. And I know that they're both way more than capable of doing it. So now my job is to teach them how they can take what was awesome about them as individual contributors and pass that on to the folks that now work for them. Right. Cause it's, you know, again, we don't want to go that, that principle where you get promoted to your level of incompetence. I want them to get promoted way above, you know, even where, where I am today, but I also want them to grow their teams with them and, you know, learn from their teams and teach their teams. So give them the opportunities to do some of the stuff that I do so that one day they can, you know, take my job and then also give them opportunities to teach me what I probably should have done when I had that job. That's a good perspective. How big was the the whole team from your boss down to the individual contributor level when you joined compared to what it is now? When I joined, so I joined and then like immediately a bunch of things changed, which is how, of course, always things go. Um, but I had eight folks working for me, I think eight or nine when I first joined. Um, so it was my boss, myself, eight people working for me. Um, now the team, well, with we have some incoming hires, whatever you want to call it, it'll be 26 total people. Um, so me, uh, two managers, and then 23 um, solution architects working for them. And that spans the globe, right? Or is it just one geography? No, there's there's always, of course, changes going on. But no, I've got folks uh, in India and Europe and Americas. Um, so we're we're not really all the way in Asia yet, and we're we're covering Latin America from the U.S. So you know, those are some interesting time zones. But yes, it's a much larger team now um, across many time zones. Fun. You had managed remote teams before. And this group of folks, I'm assuming a lot of them have never met each other. Yeah, no, that's that's been honestly, I think, the hardest thing from a team perspective. Uh, I've managed remote teams for a very long time now. Uh, we would always get together probably twice a quarter. There's, you know, the we have to get together for business stuff, and then we'd have our fun get together where we'd go to Vegas or Boulder, or, you know, Columbia, right? So there were there were those. Uh, but this whole team has been built during COVID. Um, Oracle has a very strict no travel policy right now. And uh, because of that, it, it not even, never mind travel, some of my teammates are here in Austin and we're not even supposed to see each other. So that has been the hardest thing. I have a, a Slack channel that I, I named Mandatory Fun, which I thought was a good one from a manager perspective. Um, <laughs> But our, our do you just post links channel. to the office or something like that? Oh, <laughs> episodes yeah, post, and things yeah, like that. We 
we post pictures of our dogs and interesting, you know, videos that we've watched and everything like that. But man, you know, I'm, I'm trying, but it is, I, I think the team cohesiveness and everything would probably be twice what it is. And we've got a great team and everyone's working well together, but it's just hard. It's harder to build relationships remotely. Um, but we're, we're doing our best. I would say that, you know, having a team that is geographically spread, plus that has never met each other, plus that are all, or, you know, two thirds of the team are new to the company. It's something I think not just Oracle, but probably every company is having to deal with right now. And it's like, how do you onboard people and get them excited about the company when they can't visit the company and they don't know anyone from the company and, and, and all of that. And so, you know, my ask to your, to your listeners would be if you're, if you're in the, uh, the company culture department anywhere, please reach out to me, share, because I am, I, I'm struggling. And I think probably a lot of other leaders are as well. And, and, building and growing these teams because there has been a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of movement during the pandemic. A lot of folks, you know, you, you see the open to hiring and, and looking for a job, uh, little tags on LinkedIn. There's a lot of them right now. And so there's a lot of folks going to those new companies. And I think we need as a, as an industry, well, just shoot as everyone to know how do we bring people on, get them excited and make them feel like they're part of something as opposed to just working from the same office they've been in for 379 days now. Now, when you could travel and meet people in person as part of the hiring process, did you do an in-person interview, even if the person was going to work on the other side of the country from you? Not always. I, I would say it was. It, it, it's definitely a, a best practice, and not just from the hiring person's perspective, but also from the employee's perspective. I think you know, again, I, I don't know, I'm a relationship person. So for me, I would, you know, as, as an employee, I'm like, I want to know who my boss is and ideally, you know, figure out what they're up to and all of that. Um, but I would say, you know, obviously here at Oracle, everyone's been remote that I've hired. So, you know, whatever, 18 people at VMware, it was probably 50, 50, uh, if we'd meet on in person or not, uh, you know, it was pre zoom days. So we would use WebEx and, and do that. Because, you know, honestly, traveling, having someone travel all the way to Austin to do a one and a half hour interview with me seems kind of mean. And sometimes traveling all the way across the country for me to do an hour and a half interview didn't, didn't seem to make the most sense. But, you know, the, the thing I would say is if you can rely on, you know, referrals and rely on other people that know them, because you can get, if you get a good referral, if you're someone who's looking for a job and you have someone that vouches for you, as long as they're a trusted member of that that environment, uh, the boss may not care if they can't meet you in person because, you know, like Nick, if you said, Hey, you should hire this person. I'd be like, I trust Nick. That makes sense. Let's have that interview process. But no, didn't always travel. Uh, I'd be interested to hear from the folks that I've hired over the years that I didn't go travel and see if they'd be sad that I didn't go see them. Um, we'll have to ask like Patrick Kramer or folks, folks like that. Um, he, he's one of the members of my, my last team and I hired him completely remotely. I don't even think we ever did a video chat. I think we just did phone calls. So that was an interesting one. Oh, wow. I never knew that. He's a he's a good dude for sure. He, he is. As part of your interview process today when you're hiring new team members, does a new potential hire, do they have to go through some sort of panel with people on your team as well as a screen with you? How does that work? Yeah, so I tend to do um, all of the first screens. Um, mainly because 
I don't, I don't want to subject my team to that if it's not someone that we think is going to be good. Um, I, I tried at the beginning at Oracle of having my team do the screening and then it was horrible when they finally get to, you know, from a candidate experience perspective, they'd be on their fifth interview, which would be me and I'd be a straight no, like that's no fun. You know what I mean? Um, so I tend to do the first screen. Then we have three members of my team uh, interview them uh, either separately or as a panel. It depends on, you know, what the time frame looks like for, for the candidate. And then the final one is a bar raiser, um, you know, from Amazon's doing them, Oracle does them, Google does them. It's someone who's not part of my organization at all um, and doesn't care if I hire this person or not. And what they're looking for is, um, will this person, you know, raise the overall goodness of the company? Uh, will this person be, you know, let's say my entire division disappears tomorrow. Does this person still have a job within the company is kind of their goal. They're trying to make sure that, you know, I don't care about Oracle VMware solution whatsoever. If Jeff and his whole team get, you know, knocked off tomorrow, will this person still be able to find a job within the company? And so their goal is to make sure that the candidate has a job kind of no matter what. And so if they're a no, you know, I can still hire them as the manager. Um, I have that, I can override or veto their no. Uh, but generally, I'm not going to do that because their whole purpose is to ensure that this candidate has a long living career at Oracle. And so I wouldn't want to take someone that they say, not this person's horrible because they can't do anything else in the company, hire them and something goes wrong. That wouldn't be cool for them. But no, it tends to be all, uh, all individual. And then um, I do like doing a scenario. So I'll give them uh, basically a customer scenario where they present back to me, uh, just like they're you know in the job and I'm the customer. Um, and then I also do one of my, my favorite things to do with the, with the candidate is have them teach me something. So I'll say, okay, hey, you have one minute, Nick, to think of something to teach me and then five minutes to teach me it. It is so cool what people come up with. Uh, you know, you, you, as, as a manager, I get to see a little bit about what their passions may be, but I also get to see how quickly they can think on the fly. How are they able to explain what could be a technical or difficult concept in a short and set amount of time. Um, and then even more fun when the interview's over or when that part of it's over, I'm like, what would you have done differently? And then you get to see, oh, how do they self-correct when something didn't go the way that they thought it should? Um, but I've gotten, you know, how, how to arrest someone, how to cook a steak, how to multiply in Spanish. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a fun one. So it's, and, that's our process. And they don't know that's coming, right? Well, now they do, but no, traditionally they don't. <laughs> can edit that out if we need to no, want to give okay. away your well, secrets if, if anyone gets an hour and 25 minutes into this and applies for a job on my team i am happy for them to have a, a secret in you know what's really interesting is i don't think that potential candidates realize that if you say no to them it might have been that you had their best interests at heart even though we often think as job seekers that you're thinking of being a steward of the company you're working for only, and that's part of it, but not the whole story. Yeah, uh, it, it is that. I mean, you know, I, if I hire you onto my team, your livelihood is in my hands, right? I mean, it's in your hands as well to ensure that you do well. Um, but my goal is never to have to hire someone that I'm at some point going to have to have the difficult conversation of you don't fit here and this isn't going to work out because 
finding a new job is not fun. Finding a new job when you don't have to, or when when you have to find a new job is even less fun. Um, so no, I I absolutely always take that into account, and I'll I'm probably going to get in trouble by an HR team at some point in my career because I'm I'm honest with I'm honest with the candidates. You know, if if it's not working out, I'll tell you exactly why, and usually I'll tell you at the end of our interview. I'm not going to call you a month later and say, hey, you know, sorry, I didn't get the job. It didn't work out. If it's not going to work out, I, I want you to know why, because it's so hard in interviewing. Um, you know, I've been following some folks on LinkedIn who have done a hundred interviews during the pandemic and still haven't gotten a job. I have a feeling it's something that they're doing in the interview process, and I guess no, no one's told them yet. You know, and that's not fair to the to the individual. Like you should know. Hey, if you're doing something wrong consistently in an interview, hopefully at some point a manager's going to say, hey probably don't want to do this, that, or the other, or you can improve this so that the next one that they do, they get the job. And so I, I think of that as kind of part of my role as a leader, whether you're on my team or not, I want to help make sure that the next thing that you do, you're slightly more successful than you were when you started with me. And maybe people don't always realize that it's okay to ask for that feedback right after it's over. And you, sure. you may or may not get it. I would assume that you in some cases, you may not get it, but definitely we've heard stories of people who did get that feedback in the moment, and it it changed them. Like Kieran Sheldon, one of our guests, mentioned some feedback he got, and it, it definitely made an impact that somebody cared enough to share that. That's good. Yeah. Well, listen, Jeff, we're coming up on our time here. I don't want to keep you too late. Any last parting thoughts, advice for people who might be looking to change jobs during a pandemic? <laughs> or go into management in general? I would say uh, from a changing jobs during the pandemic, um, run towards something, don't run away right now. You know, it's, it's like I said a few minutes ago, it's hard enough to get a job normally in the pandemic. It's, it's been, I think for a lot of people, even harder. So if you're gonna change jobs because you're too comfortable and whatever, make sure that you're running towards something that's super exciting. If you're just in a job right now that you don't love, but it's paying you and you're doing a good enough job, I'd say hang out for a little bit longer. Let's get to a good part where, where you can make that move a little bit easier for you. For folks that are looking to get into leadership, um, say it early. You know, you I, I didn't mention this earlier, but, you know, I, I said I hired a new manager this week. Um, our first one-on-one, -on -one, he said, hey, Jeff, by the way, uh, if a manager position opens up, I would be interested in applying for it. Well, what does that do for him? When I'm starting to think of, oh, hey, I need another manager. How do I justify this? What am I going to do? I'm thinking automatically of the people who said, hey, Jeff, if there's a manager position, I want to do it. I'm thinking, okay, well, how could, you know, in this case, how could Mark bring something to the organization? Oh, I do need this, that, and the other. Okay. So what started in our first one-on-one -on -one back in August Three months later, I started a, a pillar, so like a virtual team, and I put him in charge of that virtual team because I knew he wanted to move into leadership. And now, five months after that, he actually got to move into leadership, you know, and it was because he said very early, I'm interested. Um, having hired other managers before, I guess one of the annoying things is I put the rec up and suddenly I have a few people on my team who are like, hey, I'd like to go for that. And I'm like, we've been working together for four years and you've never mentioned wanting to go into leadership. Oh, well, I just think it could be neat. Never say that to your boss, 
right? If you want to go into leadership, it's not because it could be neat. It's because you want to lead people. You want to grow people. You want to do all this. And the first time that your boss hears about you wanting to go into leadership shouldn't be when the job requisition opens. So my advice is if you're interested in leadership, state it early, state it often. And that way, when that job rec opens, and this is like probably a bad thing for external candidates a lot of the time, your boss will already be thinking of you and you probably have the job. If you're an external candidate, especially for leadership positions, I'd say do ask, you know, and, and it's not unfair in that first screening call if you're having it with the recruiter or you're having it with the manager. Hey, am I going up a bunch against, <laughs> excuse me, am I going up against a bunch of internal people? Because if you are, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get the job, um, but it does mean it's going to be a lot harder. So be prepped for that and understand because you don't want yourself to put you know, hours and days worth of effort into a hiring process where the hiring manager already has someone set for it. So make sure you ask that question so that you can at least have that knowledge up front and know, hey, is this something I really want to push for? Or should I just let that internal person have it and try a different company? Man, that's fantastic stuff. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. And we'll have to, of course, send you some stickers for your troubles and spending the time. Woo! Is it okay thank if you, people listening reach out to you on LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeff Eberhard, and I'm at Oracle. It should be very easy to find me. We'll put a link in the show notes. All right. Awesome. Thanks very much, Jeff. of this episode, you'll notice that Jeff kind of went into an adjacency to what he was doing at VMware when he stepped into Oracle. Can you imagine going to a company and you don't have the opportunity to really meet anyone in person because of a pandemic? That has to be a challenge. But Jeff was willing to take it on mainly because it was the opportunity to do something different and something that gave him energy and excitement. This opportunity fell in his lap, really, but he chose to explore it and he had a great relationship with his existing manager and kept his existing manager up to date on what was happening. Would we all have that kind of relationship with our manager to let them know we're interviewing somewhere else or pursuing a different opportunity possibly? I don't actually know, but that's something that you might want to consider. As Jeff points out, it does make your boss look really bad if they had no indication that you were going to leave the company. I also like Jeff's perspective on employees who leave the company on good terms. If they decide to leave and it's truly a better offer, he's happy for them, and it makes a friend at another company and it has built his network up. That's a good way to think about it that I, I don't think I've heard. Now, when Jeff got to Oracle, he actually had what he calls Sherpas, someone who worked for him that said, I want to make you successful and I'm going to show you around and help you be effective. So Jeff started with eight people on his greater team, and now it's up to about 26. But the great news is that he's going to be able to have more of a strategic focus and not be as tactical and in the weeds because really his role requires that he be a little less in the weeds than he is now, and that's why he has managers under him to help with that. It's really hard, I think, sometimes to give people feedback, especially when it's something they're not doing well or need to improve 
but I really liked the way Jeff put an importance on giving feedback to candidates at the conclusion of an interview. Even if he knows that they would never get it, he's going to tell them if they're doing something that was off-putting or is a red flag that makes them not a fit. When you're giving that kind of feedback, you're actually doing the person a service and not a disservice because if no one ever tells them, then they actually might not know. Jeff also encourages us all to run towards something that excites us instead of away from something that doesn't. Good stuff. Just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, for John White, at VJourneyman, signing off. Adios.